0: A word about our second reading, and then I'll kind of talk about the first reading in the gospel. St. Paul is masterful at, at at turning phrases, at bringing ideas together. Um, and it's like he's just looking for any and all possible ways to, to, to speak the gospel and what God has done to transform and convert our hearts. Um, especially in Romans, there's some places here in the book of Romans where he's just like... It just any way and every way he can convince you that God just loves you. Like, he loves you madly and he'll do anything for you and he's on your side and if he's for you, who can be against you? Like, what do you have to worry about? God. The God. He gave his own son to save you. So, like, that's, that's everything. Like, he, he, of course he's going to save you. This part of Romans chapter 5 starts out with, he's like, when we were still helpless, he died for us. We didn't do anything, and we couldn't do anything, and so he saved us. He said, you know, if you knew like a really a just person, and uh, yeah, maybe, maybe if you tried, like if, it might be really difficult, but maybe you could die for like a, a just person, like a really good person. and may, Maybe for a good person. Like a really good person, yeah, you could maybe die for them. It'd be tough. For a good person, uh, maybe. You might even find courage to die. But God proves his love for us, which means you, in that when you were still sinners, he died for you. Meaning, you didn't deserve nothing. What do we deserve? Nothing. Not because we're evil, but because like, we have nothing to give God that, that's not his already. So we, don't, we haven't earned anything. Everything's a gift. Right? If everything's a gift, then we don't. What, what do you have to deserve? So when we were sinners, he died for us. So he's like, so if, he, if you had nothing to give, nothing to offer, and he died for you, in another place he said, while we were still enemies, he died for you. Well, if he would do that, if he would send his own son to die for you, then now that you've been reconciled to him, of course he's going to save you. Like, why would he not save you? Now that you've been united to him, like your family now, of course he's going to do everything to save you. How, how could he not? Yeah. Indeed, if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more, once reconciled, will we be saved by his life? So, he loves you, and he's going to do everything to save you. You and I, we can wander away, and that's the only danger. There's no question as as to whether he's going to save you or not. That's totally settled. He's totally for you. He'll do anything for you. He loves you madly, madly. The gospel of the Lord. Isn't that nice? Okay. Okay, so we're talking about, we're moved to the gospel. There's a line in this gospel that gets quoted a lot, especially on posters, specific types of posters. But labors are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out labors for his harvest. What does that make you think of? Usually, vocations, right? Priesthood. It's like, we don't got enough priests. We need more priests. Ask God to give us more priests. Which, yeah, has something to do with what he's talking about, what Jesus is talking about. We do need more priests. Amen? And better priests, because it got I me, mean, come on, right? No, like, we need good, more priests. It's a fact. I'll tell you a fact. If you don't realize that we need more priests, let me tell you, I am tired. <laughs> we, need, we need more priests. So we do want to ask God to raise up vocations and not from out there. When we always pray for things to come from out there, it tends not to happen. We want them to come from here. Like God, raise up from our sons and daughters people to surrender their lives totally and completely to you. Raise up from our sons new priests, holy men from here Again, we got no problem praying for, for, for somewhere else. Some of you, grandparents, are like, or parents are like, I want grandkids, right? Or if you have grandparents, you're like, I don't want my kids, you know? But no, this is where vocations come. They always come from here, from somewhere that's a here. But also, what? Everyone, so, so priests are obviously called to preach the gospel. But everyone, in some ways, is called to be a missionary for Christ, now, I'm going to start talking about this. It's going to make you feel kind of tired, and then we're going to talk about it in another way that's going to be more encouraging. So each one of you is called to evangelize, which makes you inside go, right? Because that means you need to talk to people and share about Jesus, which makes us uncomfortable. Amen? Yeah, because sometimes we have a weird, awkward idea of what that's supposed to look like. Like we're supposed to force things on people. We're supposed to go just like, hey, thanks for uh, uh, washing my windows. Hey, can I talk to you about Jesus, right? Like, that feels awkward. See, so yeah, I don't know that that's what we're called to do, but there is a way in which, yeah, you are called to be messengers of the kingdom of God. And again, that can feel kind of tiring or awkward or off-putting at first glance. But I want to rewind a little bit back to the beginning of the gospel to give us a sense of, of what Jesus is actually calling each of us to. It says, Jesus is looking across the crowds, uh, these are the, the people of Israel. it 's just, just a crowd of people. and it says, "As Jesus is looking at them he 's moved with who are troubled and abandoned." Now they probably didn 't feel that troubled and abandoned, because what they were experiencing was just what they were used to. It was just people trying to do life. Now, deep down, if they were able to access the deep parts of their hearts, they would know, yeah, they felt deeply troubled and, and very alone. But they didn't know, they just felt like this is normal. But Jesus, in looking upon them, it says he felt deep pity because he's like, This is not the way it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to be alone. You're not supposed to be harassed by life and driven around by all these different voices and causes and you're not supposed to live this confusion and and separation and division like this is not this is not the way it's supposed to be what are we supposed to be we're supposed to be god's special possession we're supposed to belong to him we need god we're made for him without god there is a misery that falls upon us and again we we get used to it but it's miserable nonetheless the scripture translates this phrase it says Jesus' heart was moved with pity which sounds like jesus might have been like Ah, right that's moved with pity. But the the words, the Greek words, it's hard for us to translate because it's saying something very strange. It sounds like it's saying Jesus's his innards, his guts were twisted, like he's so moved with sorrow and pain and compassion and love. It's like the deep places of him suffer this pain. So the word could be translated his innards, his bowels, even his womb. Jesus doesn't have a womb in that sense, but like the deep place of him, is overcome with love and pain and compassion for us. Jesus looks at us, and each of us have a certain level of godlessness. What does that mean? It means there's just ways in which I don't live with God. I don't trust him. I don't let him guide me. I, I think about him sometimes, you're here, and thank God, but yeah, there are pockets of godlessness in all of us, of emptiness, of emptiness. And when Jesus sees that, he feels, he doesn't feel hatred at you or anything like that. No, he feels an unimaginable sense of compassion and a desire to gather you to himself. Because in our godlessness, we are sheep without a shepherd. Sometimes we kind of bristle at that. I'm not a sheep. Don't, don't call me a sheep, right? That feels kind of almost insulting to be a sheep. But can, can you frankly ask yourself, do you always do what's best for you, yes or no? I mean, maybe you do, but I don't, right? Like, I'm always doing things that are not good for me. That's pretty dumb, right? So, at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, maybe that sheep thing. I'm getting more and more convinced, like, yeah, that sheep thing. That that makes sense, right? So, I need a shepherd. I need someone to lead me. When God leads you, when He actually takes you into His possession and guides you, there is nothing oppressive about it. It sets you free, it fills you with joy. Even the last weeks, there's in my heart, there's a movement to just like, all right, God, like, I want to do what you want to do. Because I've been telling him what to do for a long time. He doesn't listen. And there's just this growing, like, freedom of, like, yeah, God, let's do what you want. In the last, like, two weeks, there's been three encounters with people that I just bumped into random places and incredible things happened. And I didn't plan it. And it was super fun. And there's just this feeling in me of, like, if this was what being a priest is like, I want to do this. This is way better than whatever I'm doing. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in charge. This is like, this is such a joy. So, so a couple things. First off, Jesus so deeply desires that you would belong to him, that you would be at home in him and with him, that you would be his possession. The father desires that you would be a son or a daughter at home in their love and in their protection the Holy Spirit wants you to be their dwelling, His dwelling place so that no part of you would be in any way alone or unloved. Like, we don't even imagine that that's a true possibility. And Jesus, again, He sees us in our emptiness and He's meet, moved with deep, deep compassion. Like, oh, so deeply. And as we receive that, what, what, what is to happen is that our eyes get open to the people around us and we see them and we too are moved with compassion not with pity of like oh poor them we don't belittle them no but there's a sense of like in as much as i have encountered god i want that for everybody i've encountered love and peace and joy like i want i want that for everybody so we too are to have the heart of jesus have our hearts transformed by his and united to his so that we too can be moved with compassion for others so then when we are sent out right because Jesus desires to send all of us out in some way, we're not just going around and preaching, like, scripture at everybody. Although, you know, a tactfully shared scripture verse could be a beautiful gift to someone. But our first call is just to go to them and look at them and love them as very good and worthy of great love. We are saved by love, which means if you're to bring the gospel to people, what are you first called to do is to love them. In fact, if that's all you ever do, that's probably enough. There might be a moment when God stirs you to say something encouraging or loving to them having to do with God and salvation. But when you love someone, God is made present and the kingdom of God is truly at hand. Frankly, like, if that's what being a missionary is, then like, okay, sign me up. If it's not just preaching at people. If it's being transformed by God's love and then being moved with compassion for others and drawing close to them with deep, deep love and blessing them and walking with them, like, gosh, that seems really nice. So when we say the Our Father, we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. There's a way in which we want to sense, like, I'm, gonna, I'm willing to play a role in that, right? Not just like, okay, God, go do your thing. Do your kingdom and your will, but not like, just leave me alone, right? No, it's like, yeah, here in me and in my life, thy kingdom come. Like, I want to be a member. I want to be in. I want to belong. I want to be at home, please. And uh, yeah, let your will be done. Like, I want to do, do what you want to do. He wants to do beautiful things through you that will make you shine out in all of the glory and beauty and goodness that he has poured into you. I'm sure of that. He wants you to be more you, not less you. He doesn't want you to be weird, a weirdo church person. No, he, he doesn't do that. No, he wants you to be, to be you, raised to the highest pitch, full of all of his beauty and glory, that you would shine out and with him Draw all people to his heart. Um, I'll give you a second to pray. Jesus declares these words, and he sends his apostles to declare the same words. He says, The kingdom of God is at hand. So let me say to you today, here and now, in the name of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God is at hand, it's here. And it's growing and expanding. And you want to be a part of it. And you want to be an agent, an actor in it and bringing it about. It's a great joy and adventure in God's love and in his grace. So I'd just like you to imagine Jesus just looking at you with great love and just declaring these words, Hey, the kingdom of God is here. It is at hand.